tonight. Uh, many of you know who he is. Many of you don't know who he is. Uh, it is God's grace and strength that has enabled Bob Weiner to touch many lives through the ministries that he has founded and supported. God moved Bob to found Maranatha churches and campus ministries now with locations on 150 campuses in 20 nations. During the last 15 years, Bob trained 50,000 youth in Russia for ministry and covered all the training expenses for them. God multiplied this ministry, and today many hundreds of thousands of youth have been saved, established in churches and cell groups by the thousands. God's heart for China was expressed in Bob's founding of China Harvest, which has had a part in placing over 6 million Bibles in China and recruited over 100 American missionaries to Chinese universities to teach English and reach Chinese youth. China Harvest was chosen to coordinate the 2008 Beijing Olympic outreach with over 5,000 short-term missionaries sharing the gospel at different venues in China. In India, Bob was led to hold the largest congress for students in the history of India. And the fruit of this effort led to 100,000 applications with 12,400 accepted. 8,000 students were filled with the Holy Spirit. 6,000 came forward to commit for full-time ministry after graduation and support for 60,000 hotel rooms, 300,000 root meals, and 20,000 Bibles was provided. Bob Weiner is gathering tens of thousands of the most committed Christian youth around the world and training them to go back to their schools to see one million youth come to Christ in 2012. Amen. Bob pays for registrations, books, and many other expenses when needed so that no young person will not be able to attend because of a lack of finances. We're excited to have the opportunity to partner with Bob's ministry as he prepares to go to Latin America, Russia, China, India, Indonesia, Europe, and America for historic nation-changing leadership conferences. Now, we estimate that it costs approximately $50 per student to train young people at their conferences all around the world, including administrative expenses. So at the end of the service today, we always take a love offering for the guest speaker. Pastor Bob has asked that this love offering would be a seed that we would sow into helping him see this one million youth come to Christ in the year 2012. One million youth. Amen. So it's, it, it's, for every $50 that you sow, it supports one student, $100, two students, $400. $200 supports four students, $500, 10 students, $1,000, 20 students, $5,000, 100 students. And if you write him a check for $50,000, it will reach 1,000 students for Christ in the year 2012. Amen. So at the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity. We are all going to have the opportunity to sow into this harvest. I just want to say that I had lunch. This was a divine appointment today because I had never met Bob Weiner before. Um, But he gave me a call today. Uh, He had just come into San Francisco, and we had lunch. And the moment I stood in this man's presence, I felt like this whole region exploded. I've received a powerful impartation of faith and vision for a dynamic harvest. And you know, I've been talking about the harvest. Remember God promised that in the year 2011, it would be the year of renewal. The year 2012 would be the year of revival. God promised that in 2012, we would see a great harvest of souls coming into the kingdom of God. And this is the year of stewardship. And God promised us the stewardship of two things. One, a harvest of souls and a stewardship of souls. And two, a harvest of finances and a stewardship of finances. And just sitting with him, I felt an impartation for both harvests. So he is speaking directly, and I immediately asked him to preach tonight because he is speaking. I believe this is a divine appointment. God is using this man 
to speak to the vision that God has already given us for this year. And so I want you to receive an impartation of faith tonight to reach for that harvest and to see it come to pass in the year 2012. Amen? Please welcome Pastor Bob Weiner. Amen. Let's all stand together and give God all the glory, right? Come on. Give him all the glory. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Woo! Turn my monitor up, please. Amen. Lift your hands. We're going to believe God for your loved ones to be saved. The Bible says you shall be saved and your household. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to know the Lord. And so we declare in the mighty name of Jesus, listen, I'm Jewish, man. How in the world am I going to get saved? But someone knocked on the door of my Jewish father's house. A year later, my father became a believer. My Jewish aunt, 97 years old, we flew her from New York. Dr. Blumenweiner, head of the Yeshiva University uh, Education Department. We've been praying for her all these years. Can I tell you? She just came to the Lord just a couple months ago. 97, ready to go to heaven. Lift your hands. We're going to believe for your loved ones, your friends. This is what this meeting is about. God is going to give you an apostolic gift of faith. Before we're finished, we're going to lay hands on every one of you for a double portion of the gift of faith for for souls, multiplication, and finance. And this church will double in the next four to six months. And you will see this place overflowing beyond what you can believe. Because every one of you are going to be released with a gift of faith and compassion and tears for the loss of this world. Lord, we claim every unsaved loved one and friend. Lord, you said it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to know you. You said we will be saved in our household. So that we declare, Lord, our eyes are on the harvest. Lord, we take our eyes off ourselves. We're not going to look within and be depressed. We're not going to look around and be distressed. We're going to look to you in the harvest and be at rest. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You're the bright and morning star. And you live in us. We are the hope of Berkeley. We are the hope of this town. We are the hope of of this whole Northern California. Lord, and out of this place, millions of people will be born again because of the anointing that's rest on this place. We give you glory and praise, and we thank you for these loved ones being saved now in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord one more shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen, hallelujah. Amen. When, did you, when did your family get saved? Today, hallelujah. In other words, when does a baby get born? Man, the moment of conception. That's right. When you pray, believe you have received and it will be given to you. Amen. We're not hoping for your, parent, your friends to get saved. We just prayed in faith and the birth took place. Hallelujah, amen. amen. Do you understand? Yes. So when you pray, you believe you have received and it will be given to you every time. No more hope prayers. I mean, we're living hope, which turns into faith. Not dead hope. Amen? All right. Now, one last thing before you're seated. I want to announce to you that all of you are ministers. All of you are full-time ministers. So when I say the word full-time ministers, two hands all the way up with a shout. Don't go halfway. Then I know you're lukewarm. One hand means you're half committed. Are you ready? Full-time minister. Oh, uh, come on. You're, you're more radical than that. This is Berkeley. Come on. Full-time ministers. Yeah. Now, what do ministers do? Minister. So I want to give you a homework assignment ahead of time. Every one of you, I want you to believe 
See, I was here in Berkeley in 1969. I got saved in 69. We baptized hundreds, thousands at Sprawl Hall in the fountain. I got, I got film of this. We did a film of this, of the revival. We had 100, 200,000 young people in the, in the streets right here worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you with me? We saw 30 million people come to know the Lord in the Jesus movement. I want you to believe that God is about to bring in the third great awakening. And you're going to win at least 10 people in the next six months. I just want you to believe that it's possible that you will do it. And then I want you to get the 10 that you win to win 10. Okay? Simple. Just in six months, you win your 10. Hey, some of you saying, I can't do that. That's too hard. Hey, if my father is Microsoft president... And he's, gonna, and he's giving me $100 billion to give away to my Berkeley friends and my people in this church, right? And all, I, all you got to do to get your million dollars is win 10 souls. But instead of three or four months, you got to do it in two months. Let me tell you, every Walmart, Kmart, you'd be in front there. You'd be pushing your own people out of the way and say, hey, I saw him first. Get out of my way. Um, see, don't tell me you can't do it if you had the right motivation. And the love is the motivation. If we can do it for money, we can do it. For love. Are you ready? Let's try it one more time. Full-time ministers. How many souls are you going to win in the next six months? How many souls are your ten going to win? How many Bibles are you going to have in your house? Why are you going to have ten Bibles? Why are you going to have ten Bibles now? Because a mother always prepares the baby room before the baby comes. Get your Bibles ready. Get ready. This is a harvest coming. When are we going to get started? Now. Who's going to do the work? Jesus through me. Say it. Jesus through. All right. One more time. Full-time minister. How many souls are you going to win in the next six months? How many souls are you going to win? How many bombs are you going to have in your house? When are we going to get started? Who's going to do the work? Jesus through me. Woo, you're awesome. Be seated. Turn in your Bible to Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Just one more little tab, little tab, a little higher, and I'll have it on the monitor, just the monitor. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Everybody say it with Uncle Bob. Before I was born, God knew me. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Before I was in my mother's womb, God called me to be a prophet. To the nations. I want you to look at me right in the eye. I want to get this in your spirit. Before you were born. Smile. Come on. Before, Smile. Before I was born. God knew me. Before I was in my mother's womb. He called me. To be a prophet to the nations. Do not say you're too young. Jeremiah said. He was 16. He said I'm too young Lord. And Jeremiah said, And the Lord said. Do not say you're too young for everywhere I send you, you shall go. All that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, says the Lord. I want to break the spirit of fear. Look in my eye. How many of you want to be free from all fear, anxiety, worry? Come on. God is going to set you free. Right now, look in my eye. I break every spirit of fear 
doubt, unbelief, discouragement, every curse of, of small thinking. I, re, I, I break that off of you, and I set you free. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the king. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Nothing is impossible in Jesus' name. You can do everything I can do. I break the power of this doubt and unbelief and fear and anxiety, insecurity, inferiority, and, and, and rejection, and I loose the gift of faith upon your life. And I say, have faith in the Christ that's in you, for nothing will be impossible in the name of Jesus from this day on. In Jesus' name, give him a shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo! Full-time minister. Hey, I, man, you guys, I'll tell you, we need a holy wave. I'll tell you what, this, this half, this half, this half, this half. Are you ready? Come on, you're going to jump up and wave. Hallelujah. Full-time minister. Boy, are you guys, come on, man, get with it. Here, one more time, a thousand times stronger. Here we go. Full-time minister. Some of you older ones over there. Come on, get with We're going to give you one last chance. We're going to have to carry you out. Here we go. Ready? Full-time ministers. All right. These guys making more noise, 10 of them than all, you know. You say, Uncle Bob, what did that do spiritually for us doing that way? Nothing. Just woke you up. All right. So do you believe it that God knew you in your mother's womb? But what's your number one responsibility? To be a prophet to the nations. nations. What's God all about? Nations. People of every nation. Do you believe it? Yes. So God's not just interested in Northern California, in your area, in this little area. If you will seek first the kingdom, which is God's rule over all the nations, then everything you need for this church and for your family and for yourself will be given to you. Write down a couple of scriptures. You, you'll love it. By the way, let me finish this. It says, Jeremiah said, uh, but I'm too young. And the Lord says, do not say you're too young for everywhere I send you. You should go. Don't be afraid. For, you know, for I have called you to pluck up and break down every demonic power and to build and plant my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God has called you for such a time as this to, to be a mighty force, to break the enemy and to bring a third great awakening that's going to sweep the entire United States and world. Do you believe it? Yes. Hallelujah. In Jeremiah, I mean in Genesis 12, verse 3, write it down. This is very important. You've been called to be a prophet to the nations. What's the first thing God told man in uh, the covenant that he made with man? He said into, uh, to, to Abraham, hey, Abraham, he said, I've called you to be a blessing to every nation. Everybody say, this is the covenant that God made with Abraham, he, that he would be a blessing. Him and his children would be a blessing to every nation. Well, who's the sons and daughters of Abraham? Come on. How do you know that? Write this down. Galatians 3.29. Galatians 3.29 says, if you belong to Jesus, you're Abraham's offspring. You're an heir according to the promise. Everybody say, if I belong to Jesus, then I'm Abraham's offspring. If you belong to Microsoft, Bill Gates... If you're his son, then you're an heir according to all the billions of dollars the dude's got. But I got, I got good news for you. you. You got a better inheritance than Microsoft's son. You're a son of God and a daughter of the king. And God says through Abraham, every nation of the earth shall be blessed. And if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's offspring. You're an heir according to the promise. Now, why is this so important? Because if you're not seeking first the kingdom and if nations aren't on your heart, then you're not, uh, you're not thinking the kingdom and you're not thinking God's heart. 
And therefore, you're thinking about me, myself, my eye blessing, and God can't give you all the things that he wants to give you. He said, you seek first. Before you get, you go get your coffee in the morning, before you go to the bathroom, before you jump in the shower, you lay hands on the nations. I lay hands on a map. I, you can do it on your iPhone. You can do it on your iPad. Or you can do it on your wall. Get a map of the world. Pray for China. Pray for India. Pray for Africa. Pray for... It only takes 30 seconds. Pray for North Korea. She's going. Hallelujah. We have a big ministry in North Korea. We have hundreds of thousands of Bibles going in. We have a noodle factory. We have a, I mean, we, we're going in and we're seeing God bring king. revival. Hallelujah. You pray for the nations. Then you have a little VIP list. And you pray for 12 of your friends to be saved. All in 30 seconds, a minute. Then you pray for six people that you want to, your most important six people. And you begin to spend time with them. One, one, one hour a week with six people doing things you normally do. You say, Uncle Bob, that's a lot of time. No, the, there's 168 hours in a week. 168. A tithe of your time is 16.8 hours. The whole purpose you're on the earth. Jesus was God Almighty, humbled himself, came to the earth, spent 90% of his waking hours with sinners. What right do we have to spend 95% of our time hanging around Christians and hanging around our own family? That's nothing but idolatry. We're on the earth for a purpose. We're on this earth to set the nations free. We have a covenant with our God that through us and our children, every nation of the earth shall be blessed. Come on, man. Hallelujah. You are full-time missionaries. Come on, full I have to stay up here because oh, we can be here. Hallelujah. Because of TV. Hey, Tulsa, baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So I want you to get this. Say nations. nations. You see, once you go to the cross and die, now you've been bought with a price, and it's not about you. Ask not what God can do for you. But what can I do for God? That's not what this church can do for you. But what can you do for this church? That's not what your pastor can do for you. But what can you do to bless the man of God and take the nations together? I have a vision. It's from heaven. Are you all with me? You want to be happy? All my kids happy. Why all my kids happy? Because I took them over a hundred times to the mission field. I mean, all my kids got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at three and a half years old, except for one. She was almost four. My, my second daughter was all nervous. She came to us. Mommy, Daddy, Catherine is almost four, and she hasn't been born again. She's six months past due. <laughs> Serious. So all of a sudden, she went upstairs, and she was preaching to Catherine. All of a sudden, we heard a big splash. We run upstairs, and there, little Evangeline, who was six, had preached the gospel to her four-year-old sister and led her to Christ, filled up our jacuzzi, baptized her in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus, lifted her up and laid hands on her for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And here's little Catherine speaking in tongues with tears coming down her face. Your children don't have a little Holy Ghost, and you have a big Holy Ghost. They have the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on. What does a good father do? I was asked to speak to our whole city, and they asked me to keep it pastoral. So I tried like crazy, and I found a scripture. You know, a good father leaves an inheritance. It was Father's Day, and it was a citywide meeting for our whole city. 
So I was the speaker. A good father leaves inheritance for his children's children. So I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what's the greatest inheritance I can leave for my children and my children's children? And he gave me Psalms 2.8. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. The very ends of the earth is your possession. Some of you parents are just believing your kids will graduate, you know, from school, for goodness sake, and not get in any trouble. You see, that's the problem. you got a low vision. You've been made in the image and likeness of God. How dare you even think such a thought? Your children are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your children are overcomers. Your children are, are, have an inheritance of Abraham. God said everything, Abraham, you touch your, is going to turn to gold. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Everything you put your hand to do shall prosper. But you're still thinking like you're still in the, in the old world. You're not who you think you are. You're something different by God's grace. You are a son and daughter. You are, you, there's no one higher than you are. Hallelujah. You get it? So come on, talk to me. Tell me what God is interested in. I, I can't hear you. Amen. And there's 188 nations studying just here. In Berkeley, 188 nations, international students. And God commands you to love them. Deuteronomy 28, uh, uh, verse 11. De- De- Deuteronomy 28, 11 says, Assemble the international student who's in your city in order that they may hear whoop, and know the Lord your God, Tulsa. <laughs> you got it? Amen. You know the scripture that says, I was hungry, I was, you know, you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty. It also says I was a foreigner. I was, I was a stranger in your city. That word in the Greek is xenos. Write it down, X-E-N-O-S. I was a foreigner in your city visiting an international student, not an illegal alien because, I mean, God has rules. I was a visitor with a legal, I was legally here studying at the university or whatever, and you invited me in. When did we see you, Lord? as an international student in our city, as you did it under the least of these students that are studying here in Northern California, you did it unto me. I've started over 700 churches just reaching international students and sending them back, and I go with them, and we invite their parents to come out to a banquet. I preach, usually there's 500 people at the banquet. Usually their parents are the movers and shakers of the nation. I give an altar call in the Muslim, Hindu, whatever, Buddhist. I did it in Indonesia. 120 parents got saved in one day. From there, the church was self-supporting. In three months, within a, 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 a year or two, they started planting churches. They have 100 churches now, and they have 36 different schools, and they've, it's an incredible thing, and it's all self-supporting, multiple, multiplying. Paul was an international student. He was from Syria, studying in Jerusalem under the feet of Gamaliel, and God got a hold of the boy and turned him into the greatest apostle, Ethiopian eunuch. He was the treasurer of Ethiopia. What was he doing? In Jerusalem, he was, he was there for the holiday, you know, celebrate, trying to find God. And he was reading the Torah, couldn't understand it. And Philip, an angel went and got Philip. An angel went and got someone from this Living Hope Church to talk to one international student. And he preached Jesus to the international Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian got saved and baptized and went back, according to all historians and theologians, became the first missionary back to Ethiopia and back to Africa. And today... Every, every theologian and every, you know, person attributes, attributes the revival that's going on in Africa today to the Ethiopian eunuch. He was the first missionary. So everybody say, the world, the world. is at my doorstep. 
I live in the coolest place in the world. Because all these internationals are here. Talk to Uncle Bob. And they're here to get saved. And I'm going to disciple them. And I'm going to send them back. And I'm going to go with them and help them plant churches in every nation, in every city. Woo! Come on now. Hallelujah. Who can do this? Wave at Uncle Bob. Say, I can do that. Come on. How do you, how do you win international students? Food. Talk to me. How do you win internationals? Food. You just, if you invite 10 internationals to your house, nine of them will show up. We usually do a banquet at Thanksgiving. 500 people show up. I mean, unbelie- all of unbelievers, Palestinians, Muslims, Hindus. We have a dance contest. We, 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 seriously, we, you know, we have them do their native dance. The Indians come up and do their, you know. The Chinese come up and do theirs. We gave away a $3,000 computer. We had the president of the university open the whole deal up. This is not a Christian university, man. I got up and preached. The guy at my table is from uh, a Palestinian. I'm Jewish. I didn't tell him that. But his father was the editor of the Hamas radical newspaper. Before I was over, he was so touched by my message and got by God's Holy Spirit that he signed up to be in the Bible study that we started there for internationals. And I gave him a, a purpose-driven book by, by uh, Rick Warren. He promised he'd read it. Then uh, the, one of the Indian students who was Hindu, he wanted to walk out with me to honor me, and so he's carrying my briefcase. And I said, uh, I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, I believe in Jesus. I said, well, how many other gods do you believe? He said, well, a lot. And I said, well, that's over today. Today's the day. There's only going to be one God. Are you ready to make the one God commitment? And he said, yes. And I led him to the Lord right at my car. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Full-time minister. Why am I? Why are you on the earth? Nations. Come on. Why are you on the earth? Nations. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to seek and to save the? Come on, talk to me. Jesus came to say, seek and to save the? And he is our master. You are his servant. Therefore, we do what the master did. We don't get religious and sing kumbaya and keep hanging out at church. Yeah, you're to be in church and you're be to be committed, but the majority of your time should be out there winning the lost. And you do it through friendship. You don't do it by grabbing people and telling them to turn or burn or screaming at people. Amen? You are saved and called with a holy calling. God gave this calling to you before the foundation of the world. 2 Timothy 1.9 And you were created in Christ Jesus for wonderful good works that God Almighty has prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. So 2 Timothy 1.9 and Ephesians 2.10. So there's a calling, a destiny on this church. You're going to reach hundreds of, you're going to reach hundreds of nations. Hallelujah. So what are, the, what are the ingredients? Number one, you have to have a vision. Number one, a vision. I've been giving it to you. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world. Then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom. Not just salvation, but the kingdom. Hallelujah. With great power and signs and wonders, with fivefold ministry, with fathers. Hallelujah. Amen. God is going to have a fully restored church. We believe in the three R's. Revival, reformation of society, the seven mountains, 
and the, and the restoration of the New Testament church. Everybody say three R's. Three R's. Revival, R's. reformation of our society, which is the arts, science, education, business, politics, sports, and media. Art, science, education, business, politics, sports, and media. That's, right. That's why Tebow man was in the news. Because I had seventy-one. I had a chap. I have chaplains on all the universities, or pretty much, and on the, a lot of the NBA and F, NFL teams. And so I just take an ordinary person, and I'd say, "You can go in there, and you can do it." Hallelujah. And I train him to go in and become the chaplain of the team. So we had a chaplain for four years. Lindsay, I would love to show you the video of this when we won the national championship. A whole team would not take the trophies until Lindsay, a chaplain who's a worship leader at a local church, came up and sang. It's on the Internet. you got to see it. And so they call up Lindsay in front of one billion people are watching. we got got 100,000 in the stands. And the ESPN guy's trying to give away the trophy. And the team says, no way, we're not taking the trophy until Lindsay, our chaplain, comes up and sings the team song. So this beautiful African-American guy, he's about 300, he's just beautiful, I mean, just full of the glory of God. He walks up there. He says, oh, guys, I don't need to do it. I don't, I don't need to. Oh, no, you've got to sing our team song. Well, what's our team song? Majesty. So, so he gets up and starts singing verse after verse. And people are crying in the audience. The glory of God touched 100,000 people, 30% Jewish, 10% Muslim. Come on. In one moment, the glory of God hit the whole stadium. Uh, I'll send the video, and Pastor will show it to you next week. I'm telling you, you'll, it'll blow your mind. And, and then it was so powerful, the people are crying in the audience, and then they give him a standing ovation. They want him to come back. The ESPN guy's trying to give the trophy away. No one's listening to him. Finally, he gets up there and sort of waves at the people and goes, Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Unbelievable. He, get, he got caught up in the revival. Folks, three out of the four coaches got saved. The coach's daughter got saved. The coach, who was a reprobate, man, before this, he goes on three mission trips with Tebow and does humanitarian and orphan work. Come on, God's got every other month, he's got a new one. Now we got a Chinese guy. Hallelujah. Come on, next month is going to be someone else. But you got to be a champion in what God has called you to do. Whether you're a carpenter, whatever job you do, you do it with excellence. And that puts you before kings and you will not be ashamed. You've been called to be a prophet. Every one of you. You have some gift. You have something awesome that I can't do. Amen. All right, so we got to have a vision. You got the vision? All of Israel is going to be saved. I mean, I'm telling you about at least ten to 15,000 young people are about to get saved now here at Berkeley. Hallelujah. The University of California, Berkeley. Amen. Everybody say now. Now. Today is a day. No more tomorrow. I will not say it's yet four months and then the harvest. Today is a day of salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you catch the fish, you clean your own fish. Don't bring him to pastor. He's going to train you how to do it. And you're going to clean your own fish. And whatever cell group you're in, the day you get them saved, they'll be in that cell. You'll get them baptized, fill the Holy Ghost, break the curses, command the blessings, cast out the devils, give them a Bible, Bible study book, do a 14-day follow-up every day, one hour in my Bible study with one hour of homework, and bring them to the pastor's class. 
Nobody can be saved for 30 days without winning their first soul. So if you win them, and I take this young guy out, he, he, he got saved. I take him out. We go visit 10 friends on a Saturday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, man. Don't chicken out. <laughs> so we take, we take him out, and we, and we go visit 10 of his old buddies. Amen. He just shares real simple what happened. I pray. He shares. At least two, one, two, three of his friends get saved every time. We fill up the jacuzzi. We put those suckers down in the water. Up they come, fill with the Holy Ghost. We break the curses. He does it. I don't do it. Come on. And he, he, he baptizes them. He gets them filled with the Holy Ghost. He's only, you know, and, and he gets them filled with, he's only two weeks old, Lord. He's already got his first baptism. He's already got his first salvation. He gets them filled with the Holy Ghost. He cast out those devils right there. I taught him how to do this, how to give his testimony. And then he takes the Bible and the Bible study books and gives it to the new believer. And he starts discipling them and then brings them over to the pastor's class on Saturday that we have for 12 to 3. That's how we do it, for three hours with the senior pastor for 10 weeks. And then we have an encounter once a month where we bring all the new believers and all new members to a retreat center somewhere. And we go through 13, 14 hours of apostolic teaching. And the father of the house puts the DNA in their spirit. Amen. But, what it, but man, he, he's going to be a father within two to three weeks after salvation. Then he's going to be, within a month, he's a father. Within two months, he's a grandfather. Within three months, he's a great-grandfather. Everybody say, that's normal. Say, this uh, no baby stuff is not normal. Amen? Okay, thank you. All right, so now we have a vision. And you are called. You're, every one of you are saved and, put your hands together, saved and called. Come on. Saved and, hey, saved, hey. What are you? You're saved and called. What kind of calling do you have? Holy. So treat it holy. Quit jacking around when you leave this church. Quit turning the TV on, wasting all that time. You know, you got a ministry. I, I work with uh, professional athletes. They work out four, five, six hours a day. I work with Olympic athletes. They work out six hours a day. Why do you think you can just float in here and float out and just then, you know, and do whatever you want? No, you take and discipline your mind, discipline your spirit. We're in a war. There's, there's uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are lost. And you're the only hope for Berkeley. You're the only hope for this Northern California. You've got to rise up out of this thing and believe that you are the David that's going to take out Goliath in Jesus' name. Amen. So you got a vision. Number two, you need a cross. Number two, you need a cross. If anybody wants to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. You've got to give up what you want, what you think, what you feel. You've got to give up California Christianity. What's in it for me? Hey, keep it to an hour. I'll give you an hour. On Sunday, that's the Lord's Day, and that's a Lord's Day is 24 hours. What's this one-hour stuff? Well, one hour and a half, everybody's trying to get it shorter and shorter. Why? Why? If you really love the Lord and you love the worship, what, why do we want to shorten this thing down? So everybody, you know, we can reach more. It, it relates more. I'll give you relate. Come on. If you want to win the Olympics, you work out five hours. We've got a bunch of lazy people that don't know anything about the Bible, have no foundation, and the devil is taking America, and we've got to rise up, preach the Lordship of Christ, preach repentance, and hold no, nothing back, 
and, and begin to disciple people and not play with people and, and entertain people. Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean it needs to be boring. I don't believe in ever boring people even for a second. It's the most exciting thing in the world. But we've got to take up a cross. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. So I've been, I, you have to go to the cross and give up what you want, what you think, what you feel. You don't own yourself. You don't own your time. You don't own your money. Everything you have belongs to Jesus. Come on. Come on, man. 100%, not tithe. I don't ever ask people just to give their 10%. Come on, I'm Jewish, man. You start with 10%, you only get five. Let's make a deal. No, man, I go for the 100%. 100% of everything belongs to Jesus. And then when they find, and I teach that, and then when they find out they only got to give 10%, man, they're thrilled. Hallelujah. I don't pray how much I can give. How can you give something that doesn't belong to you? You don't give the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And, and you're not giving until you hit 11%. Uh, you know, anything above 11% is giving. The tithe belongs to God. That's his money. You haven't given Jack. Seriously, man. I mean, come on. And, you know, come on, man. I'm telling you, millions of people are tithers and they're blessed. So if you're not a tither, come on, man. You need some deliverance because, man, you, something's wrong. I mean, I can give you a hundred. There's nobody in my church that doesn't tithe. You know why? Because it's, I, I teach the revelation so strong. That man, when they, when they see it, they go, oh, my goodness. Man, I, you got to be crazy not to do it. Man, we love to tithe. We love to give. Why? Because we know that God loves it, number one. But, man, the blessing that comes to our families are incredible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, the cross. That means sexual immorality. Has to go. One man, one wife, baby. That's it. Amen. Amen. Without holiness, no man can see God. So you can't make excuses. You can't go with this evangelical garbage. Well, we're all sinners. Eh? Come on, you can live holy. Sin, Romans 6, 9, 6, 14, says, or 6, 18 says, Sin will not be master over you because you're not under the law. You're under grace. Grace gives you the power to live a holy life, not, not gives you the license to sin. That's Romans 6, 14. Romans 6, 14, sin will not be master. Oh, so let me move on. So once you make Jesus Lord of your life, you have a big vision, not only for the world, but for yourself, knowing that you have a holy calling, then you move in grace. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, it says, because of the surpassing grace of God in you, people will yearn for you and desire to be with you. That's the last verse. And it says uh, you'll be enriched in everything. And all your speech will be more anointed. It says you'll have revelation knowledge. You'll not lack in any gift because of grace. And you'll be confirmed to the end, blameless. Don't be afraid of backsliding. Come on, let's put an end to that. How many want to be free from all that fear of backsliding, going back into the world? Come on. I want to, come on, lift your hands. I want to pray for you. God's able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless on that day. You are never going to backslide. Look in my eyes. I break the fear of backsliding, and I declare that you are a son, and you're a daughter, and you're in the family of God, and God is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless on that day in Jesus' name. Woo-hoo. 
Come on, your daddy's stronger than the devil. Hallelujah. You say, well, you can make a, you can, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink, but you can put salt in the oats. Hallelujah. God knows how to get you back. Amen? Grace. Let me give you the greatest revelation the Lord's ever shown me. I had 38 years old. I told Pastor had a thir- I had a heart attack because I was trying so hard to win the youth of the world. And I tried to do it in my own strength. The Lord said that was pride. And he resisted the proud. And I ended up having a little heart attack. And, I, and I, the Lord showed me a scripture, and it changed my life. 1 Peter 5, 5, write it down. 1 Peter 5, 5 through verse 7. The greatest revelation God's ever shown me about grace. 1 Peter 5, 5 through verse 7. He said this, greater grace goes to the humble. We all need grace, right? Grace is power beyond your own ability. Grace is a divine influence acting in men to make you pure and morally strong. 1 Peter 5, 5, last, last sentence of verse 5, greater grace goes to the humble. Then it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so I can exalt you in due time and release the greater grace into your life. So you, how do you humble yourself? Verse 7 tells you, by casting all your cares, worries, anxieties on Jesus, for he cares for you. Woohoo! Your daddy loves you so much. He, he doesn't. Can you imagine your little children all worried every morning that they're not going to get any food, they're not going to get a piece of bread, they're not going to get any milk, and every morning they're all nervous and wondering if they're going to get fed. Can you imagine how, how that would hurt the father and mother? If they saw that, can you imagine our Heavenly Father says, don't worry about how you're going to do this and how you're going to do I, I feed the I feed the robins. I feed the sparrows. I, I, can, I can take care of you. So God doesn't want you worrying. Your daddy wants to carry the burden. So take your two hands. Come on and throw all your cares. Come on. And worry, anxiety on Jesus. Why? Because that is humility. Come on, throw it, throw it, throw it. Don't just get it off your shoulder five times the number of grace. Get it off your shoulders and say, I'm casting every care, worry, anxiety on Jesus, for he cares for me. Woo! My daddy wants to take all the cares. It's humility to throw your cares on him. Don't you care? Take them on yourself. Humble yourself and throw every care that you have on him, and he will release the greater grace in your life. God's able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you will have an abundance for every good work. God tells me to go to Russia. I didn't have any money. The Lord said, take out your retirement. I, at that time, I had 25000 in my little 403B. I gave it. Rick Joyner calls me within about 10 minutes after that and says, Bob, uh, God told me before you go to Russia, you're to come out to California in a revival breakout, and you're to take my meeting. I'm not supposed to do it. I said, well, I'm supposed to be with Oral Roberts at the Charismatic Bible. I'm on the board of trustees of this ministry. He said, well, you pray, and whatever Holy Ghost tells you, and the Lord said, go out to California. Anyway, long story, the Lord did a mighty revival, and they took up one offering, $20,000. That was a lot of money back then. That was 20 years ago. So now I got 45, but I need 100,000 because I'm training over 2,000 young people. I got to pay for 10,000 hotel nights. I got to pay for 30,000 meals, 50,000 Bibles. I didn't have the money. So I put my money in. And the moment I did that and sowed my seed, the miracle started to happen. And Rick calls me. And then while I was at the then I flew into the Oral Roberts meeting, and there was only two hours left. Can you imagine walking in, 
being on the board of trustees, coming in two hours before the meeting is ending, and I was trying to hide, man. I didn't want anybody to see me. But he sees me, and he calls me up in front of a 5,000 pastor. He said, Pastor Bob Weiner just came in, one of our board of trustees. Hey, share what God is doing in Russia. So I shared for about 10 minutes, sat down right here in this seat. Someone walks up and hands me a check for $65,000. Then Rick Joyner calls. I got another 10000 that just came in after you left California. I had two suitcases. Man, there was no banks. You had to take the money in in cash. I had 50000 in this Jewish hand and 50000 in this Jewish hand. Someone said, weren't you worried? No way, man, because uh, those mafia guys would have had to saw off my arm to get that money. You know, my Jewish father, he told me, he said, you know why God created Gentiles, non-Jewish people? I said, no, Dad, why? He said, well, someone had to pay full price. Someone had to pay retail. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This Protestant Catholic and Jew were telling how they take offerings. And the, and the Protestant guy says, well, we pass, pass the offering, and then we go up into the room, this little room behind the pulpit, and, there's a little, and we draw a circle and put a line down the room, throw it up. Whatever comes on this side, we keep. What comes on that side, we keep. The Catholic guy says, man, it's amazing how much we have in common. We have that same room, same side, same circle. But what comes on this side, God keeps. Whatever comes on this side, we keep. The Jewish guy says, the rabbi says, man, that's amazing how much we have in common. We have, after a Shabbat service, we have that same room after, behind the pulpit, and we put a circle on the floor, and, and we throw it up in the air, and whatever God wants, he keeps, and whatever comes down, we keep. <laughs> Woo! Okay, you ready for the last, the last deal? Here we go. This is the most important one. We, first of all, you have a vision. Then you need the cross. Then you need grace. Because if you don't have grace after the cross, you'll get into legalism. You'll try to do it in your own strength. And after grace, you need faith. Faith. And I was telling the group this, this day, this is the victory that overcomes every problem you're going through. Your faith in God. Look in my eye. This is the victory that overcomes every situation you're going through. Your faith in God. In this world, you will have problems. But be of good cheer. God has overcome the world. How does God overcome the world? Through your faith. If you keep 10 feet of faith for every one foot of problems you have in your life, you'll be an overcomer for the rest of your life. If this man's making $300,000 a year and he's got $100,000 worth of bills, he's got $200,000 to put in the bank, do whatever he wants. But if he's got $300,000 worth of bills and 100000 coming in in his business, he's in trouble. So, folks, it's simple. Just keep 10 miles of faith for every one mile of problem. <laughs> Write this down. I'm going to give you just three or four, and then I'm going to close. Number one, you choose whether you have little faith or big faith. You choose whether you have little faith or big faith. You understand? None of you are limited. You can have just as much faith as anyone that has ever walked on the earth. Woo, come on. Stay. Hallelujah. Come on. Say, I'm going to have big faith. Because big faith pleases God. Big faith really makes God happy. When you have big faith in God, 
You're saying, God, you're awesome, and you live in me, and nothing's impossible. Everybody say, in this world, I will have some problems. Everybody does. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But how does God overcome the world? This is the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith in God gives God the ability to come into your situation and move your mountain out of the way. Hallelujah. Did you get it? So there's no excuse. All you need, you determine. If I fill up my tank to go to L.A. and I put one gallon in, i got to pray in tongues the whole way because I'm going to need a miracle. But if I fill my tank up with 15, 20 gallons, I can make it all the way to L.A. Are you with me? So you determine. Say, I determine. Come on, take your right foot and put it down and say, I choose. Great faith. I choose. Great faith. Take your left foot and kick out little faith out of your life. Come on, kick it out. Kick it out. Kick it out. Amen? Say, no more little faith. Big faith. Yes. Now, how do you get this big faith? Number one, I told you. The first thing is you choose whether... It's your choice whether you have little faith or big faith. Number two, you have faith. Romans 12, verse 3. Every person's been given a muscle or measure of faith. You have faith. Number three, number three, exercise your muscle of faith through instant obedience. Do you, do you work out? Okay, good. Get up there and do it. Give me 20 push-ups. Hurry up. Hurry up. 20. Hallelujah. Everybody hold up your arm. Hold up your arm. Say, I have a muscle of faith. And the more I exercise it, the more it grows. Hallelujah. Everybody hold it up. Say, my muscle will grow if I exercise it. All right. That's good, my man. Stand right there. Hallelujah. Take off your coat. Come on. He had very little muscle. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Pull your muscle up. All right. He had a little tiny muscle. Now look at it. Whoa. Did you see that muscle grow? How did it grow? Through instant obedience, through exercise. Did you get it? So if you want more faith, you take the little bit you have, you instantly obey the Holy Spirit, and you will start to see incredible increase in your faith level. Hallelujah. Can you pump 500? 300? (laughs) He's speaking in tongues. (laughs) All right, you understand? exercise through instant obedience i was telling them the story i was driving my car down the road i see a young man on the side of the freeway holy spirit says stop pick him up right now this kid is on the verge of real trouble and i jammed on my brakes (laughs) open the door say this is the day of salvation for you kid get in the car you're going to get saved he gets in the car starts crying like a baby i said why are you crying he said my parents have kicked me out of the house i'm on drugs everything's gone wrong i've been on the road for three days hitchhiking no one would pick me up no food Eight hours in the rain. He said, I was so depressed, I was going to throw myself in front of the very next car and end my life. And you were the car coming down the road. And I said, if there's a God in heaven, have that very next car. Stop, or else I'll end my life. And at that second, I heard the voice of God. Stop. This kid's in trouble. (coughs) Open the door. This is the day of salvation, boy. Get in the car. You're going to get saved. Hallelujah. He got We took him down to our fraternity. I led him to the Lord. We baptized him. We got him filled with spirit, trained him, sent him home. Three weeks later, and he led his whole family to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, come on. This is the most honor. We have a connection. We can hear God's voice. I mean, 12 hours ago, I did not know your pastor. 
I'm sitting in San Francisco getting my car down there. It was $150, $200 cheaper. I'm doing a 100-day uh, tour across every major university campus in America. And we're, seeing, we're going to see tens of thousands of students saved, and we're going to see a third grade awakening. So I'm sitting there. I have no appointments. I've not called anybody ahead of time. I came from uh, UCLA, USC, you know, all about 20 campuses I preached in the last 10 days. And the Lord says, call, call, what was his name? Joseph. I look up Joseph, and there's this, and it says, the Berkeley, you know. The only one I got in my phone, I call him, oh, Pastor Bob. And then I remember, this is the kid, you know, that uh, was over at the church. And, and, uh, he, and I said, explain to me all that's going on. He explained that he's now the wonderful, pa- he's the pastor of the, the ark movement and, you know, and all this. And I said, well, man. I better talk to the pastor. Can you call him? And, and so he, I, we, we got in touch with each other. We went out to lunch. We spent two, three hours. We were just rejoicing because everything that's in my spirit's in his spirit. And his vision is now my vision. My vision is his. We become covenant friends. Uh, we spent another hour or two this afternoon. We're going to spend four or five hours tomorrow just downloading how to reach the campus, how to raise up. You know, everything that you need to get the, get going, hallelujah. And you're going to see thousands and thousands and thousands of people part of these two churches, hallelujah. And then you're going to plant churches all over the world. Now, that God set that up because I was listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Last of all, we walk by faith and not by sight, and we will be of good courage. Lord told me, he said, rewrite the Constitution of Russia and hand it to President Yeltsin. I, la- I, try- I tried not to laugh. It was too crazy. <laughs> Rewrite the Constitution. Man, I don't know anything. But the, the, I said, yes, sir. You don't argue with the Lord. So I got some people to help me. And we, and we found and we did, redid the Constitution of Russia and put it in Russian, put it in English, put it in a leather binder. I was going over there to preach for Derek Prince. And I'm preaching for Derek Prince Thursday night. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how this is going to happen, but before I leave this country, I will hand a new Constitution to the president of Russia. Oh, when I said that, I I would give $1 million to get that back, man. These are 1,000 of the most prestigious pastors in all of Russia. And, man, if it doesn't come to pass on before, and I'm leaving on Saturday in three days, I'm going to be stoned. Like the rest of the California with that legal marijuana. Don't put up with that. Stop that nonsense. Come on, man. If you're going to do it, do it. But don't say, you know, the doctor. (laughs) Come on. Who are you kidding, man? Come on. Just do it if you're going to do it, but don't play that game. Those doctors are making tens of millions of dollars on this foolishness. Anyway, so I said, Lord, what am I going to do? I said this thing in front of everybody. That was Thursday. I checked out of my minus eight-star hotel. Checked into a normal hotel, had to get a haircut, and so I checked into this night. I got my 50% discount, like a nice Jewish boy. <laughs> Seriously. And it was a beautiful five-star that I got for $87. I mean, I, I worked on it. So I go into this beautiful hotel, get a shower, because I, I had to get my clothes clean. So I'm working out in the gym on Friday morning, and they said, we got to close the whole hotel. President Yeltsin is coming to this hotel in one hour. 
There's 200 ambassadors and media from all over the world that are here. They're trying to work out a joint venture. And the Australian, uh, this is an Australian hotel. And this is the fir- or Australian, Austrian hotel. And this is the first joint venture in, the, in all of Russia. And all these people are coming to try to work the same deal in their country. So I said, Lord, how am I going to get in? He said, walk. So I get my best suit on. That's why you got you to gotta be prepared. I had, a, I had a suit and tie. You know, and I walked up like an ambassador. I'm from Chicago, man, south side. <laughs> same place where our president was raised. Same, almost the same area. And I walked in, you know, you're not afraid if you've been on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and I, I walked in, and I, I said, who's in charge here? You know, and, and they said, uh, here's the, he's the owner of the Palace Hotels for all of Europe. I went up to him and I said, sir, I'd like to make a presentation to the president of Russia when he comes. I have a new constitution that's based on the Bible. It will bring the greatest freedom and liberty and prosperity to this country. He said, man, they need a new constitution. Son. He's, he said, stand right here and let me introduce you to our ambassador from Austria. Let me. He's introduced me to all these people. All of a sudden, the music starts playing and the guards come in, check the room, and here comes President Yeltsin. I need a President Yeltsin. Where's Where's a big old dude? Come on, big old dude. We got a big old dude? L. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Dale, yeah. Hurry, my man. Tulsa. And pres- everybody cheer, hurry. You want to go to Siberia, man, you better cheer. And so he walks down the aisle. Everybody's trying to shake his hand. No, he wouldn't shake a single hand. I'm standing over here. I, the Holy Ghost says, move over on the other side. So he's coming straight down the aisle right here, and he comes straight at me, and he stops in front of all these hundreds of people, and I, he's looking just at me like that, and I'm freaking out. I look back like this. I look back like this because I'm thinking, man, come on, he's got to be looking at someone else. The Holy Ghost rebukes me and says, son, I set this up. No man could set this up. Now give him the, the new constitution. And his interpreter came running over, and I grabbed his hand. I said, President Yeltsin, I have a new constitution based on the Bible. Give me some Russian. I said, this constitution will bring the greatest freedom and liberty to your country. Very nice. And the, and the president says to me, he says, Mr. Weiner, I told him my name is Mr. Weiner. He said, Mr. Weiner, he said, thank you. He says, Pasiba, Pasiba, through the interpreter, he says, thank you. He said, I'm, I'm, I have to have a new constitution before my Russian parliament in two weeks. I've been studying parliament, or, uh, constitutions from around the world for the last six months. He said, this will be so helpful for me. And, and, and so he, he turns around and we take pictures together. Hallelujah. No one else got to shake his hand. All these people got invited, and I'm the only one shaking his hand and standing with the president. Then he was supposed to go to the podium and give this big speech on joint ventures and community, how we can work together. He never went. He goes out the door, down the stairs with the Constitution in his hand. He's gone. All these ambassadors came two days ahead of time to meet him, shake his hand, work out deals. Gone. I'm the only one that got to talk to him in the whole place. He's gone. Two weeks later, front page of the Moscow News, President Yeltsin proposes new constitution. 85% of everything that was in my proposal was in his proposal. Two months later, 
Two months later, it was passed by the Russian parliament, and that is the new constitution today for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now listen, if God can do that for me, what can he do for you? If God can do that for me, if God can save my 97-year-old aunt, what can he do for you? I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. And I want you to remember, this young man, you know, the thousands of soldiers coming against him. And there's more with us than there is with them. When did God provide all those angels for Elijah and his servant? Before the foundation of the world. When did he know you before the foundation of the world? When did he give your holy calling before the foundation of the world? God has already provided. Everybody say this with me. God has already provided all the resources, all the money, all the finances, all the open doors that I need before the foundation of the world by his wonderful grace. He's already provided. He's my daddy. And he chose me. And he has already predestined all the blessings. And he's got them up in heaven. And all I have to do is walk by faith and not by sight in everything that's in the spiritual world that he has already provided will be released now into my life, into my family, into my church. My God has already supplied everything I need for the rest of my life. Come on, give him a shout. Hallelujah. We're going to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to be of good courage. We're going to be courageous. We're going to be bold. And we're going to see this church double every six months. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? Now, here's the way we're going to end. As Pastor said, and it's very kind of him to say, to help me, to to say we're going to hold Uncle Bob's hands up as he goes across America and sponsor. How many of you know we could sponsor a couple hundred kids here tonight? It's possible. Amen. And all I want you to do is pray and ask the Holy Spirit how many students you want to sponsor, and we will see America one and then many nations one. Hallelujah. And, you know, here's how it works. Here's Here's a young boy I trained in Russia. This precious lady gave me the $50 so I could sponsor him. And uh, just put your hand on his shoulder. His name was Andre. He was Jewish. Never had won a soul. He was a Christian Jew. Smile, man. Hallelujah. <laughs> and she sponsored him, gave me the $50. And this young man came to my conference. They were making $10 a month. Most of these kids, in, like today, I had all the prayer warriors, 50 kids today, in one, just this morning. I've, I've been hitting every campus. These kids can't afford to bring Uncle Bob in. You know, most of these big speakers want $5,000, $10,000. I don't do that nonsense. I'm here to train the youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a, I even bring them in for four or five days and pay all the hotels, the food, the Bibles, and sometimes we can do that for $50 a student in some countries. Amen. Yeah. And that includes my salary. That includes my, uh, my secretary's salary. And our administrative team, $50 a student, come on, we can do it for that. We, yeah. Because we watch the way we spend. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so she sponsored him, and he's smiling. He got to come to my conference. He had never won a soul. He got trained, went back, and started one little cell group in his town in Yaroslav. And this young man now has 2,500 in his church. But that's not the most exciting thing. He has now got 100 new churches that he started all because of this precious lady. Look at the smile on her face. Come on. Big smile. Those that go and preach the gospel and those that stay behind get equal reward. So every soul I went on my trip across America, 
I started in, in, in Seattle. I went to UCLA, USC. I went to all the different universities in Southern. Now I'm hitting all the Northern universities. And I'm going to go right across America. We're going to see tens of thousands of young people saved, filled with the Spirit, trained, revival breaking out, a third great awakening. Every soul I win will be yours. We're partners for the harvest. And look at that smile. The little widow woman gave what she had to Elijah. See, that's what you're going to do tonight. And you just sow whatever the Holy Spirit says. Guess what? That little woman gave her last little oil and the oil started flowing and never stopped Hallelujah. until she ran out of barrels. Amen. Paid every debt she had. The little boy with five, two, uh, five loaves and two fish gave what he had to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus fed the 5,000. And that little boy went home with 12 baskets full. Hallelujah. The same day. Mm-hmm. How many of you need a miracle today? Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Let me see. How many of you know if you sow into good soil, hallelujah, you'll reap a harvest. Amen. So I just want you to pray. No pressure. I don't want you to give me your tithe, your offering you put in this church. This is an offering that goes, this is a mission offering to help reach the youth of America. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, you're going to write the checks to your own church here. They're going to write one check. But I want you to lift your hands, and I want someone to begin to play on the keyboard. And the seed that leaves your hand today never leaves your life. It goes into your future and your children's future, and it multiplies. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the greater the harvest, the greater the, 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 the soil, the greater the harvest. And we've seen millions of young people not only saved but established and fathered all over the world. This is not some game we're playing now, how many hands we're going to hold up. But so you can help. And I, I, I just want you to hear the voice of God. If God doesn't speak to you, then don't do anything. And don't put in any tithe or offering you would give into your own local church here. I want this to bring a hundredfold blessing back so that you can sow more and help the poor and help reach the nations of the world hallelujah i believe we've seen so many i one church <laughs> assembly of god church in baltimore it was a mission sunday and they gave twenty six thousand. it was an amazing offering i told the pastor i said i've never told anybody this but you will receive a hundredfold in a year i said your people will receive 2.6 million dollars just off the seed they sowed and i'll come and then they asked me to come back next year and preach at their mission conference i said you'll see those people that gave in my offering, they will give $260,000 more than they gave last year. He said, how do you know? I said, because 20, 26000 or whatever it was, 26000 a hundredfold is $2.6 million back to the people. They will tie that above and beyond what they gave last year. Sure enough, I came, and they were jumping up and down like little kids. They said, come here and look at this, Bob. The people that gave your offering last year, they gave $265,000 more this year than last year. They were so blessed because of what they sowed into your ministry. Folks, that's a, that's a fact. Isn't that the coolest thing? I mean, I was so thrilled. Now, I don't say that any, everywhere, and I don't promise you anything like that. And we don't give ever to give. We give because we love Jesus. And we don't give unless the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. So there's no pressure. I'm going to turn it to the pastor, and uh, he's going to just take a minute. But just pray, ask the Holy Spirit. One student is $50, two is 100 as Pastor said. Four students is 200 10 students is 500 I had a little 11-year-old girl, Felicia. Wonderful little girl, but she was in a welf- welfare situation. She was so poor. She said, Uncle Bob, I'm, I'm sewing for 10 students. I'm putting my faith promise in. I said, honey, how are you going to do that? You're only 11 years old. She said, you laid hands on me for the gift of faith. I believe. 
and I will babysit. I'll garage sale. Sure enough, in three and a half weeks, she raised $500. An 11-year-old girl, she broke the curse of poverty. She said, I'll never be poor again. I've learned how to be a giver. Hallelujah. Little girl, 10 years old. Sponsored 10 students, 20 students, 1,000, etc. Just ask the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to turn it to Pastor. Amen. I'm a little overexcited here. All right, you can give your gift tonight. You can give, uh, I want the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive it. Uh, you can give a check. Now, I want to say this. Number one, we're sowing into the harvest, but number two, we're sowing into an apostolic ministry. Now, we understand apostolic ministries. Paul called the Philippians his partners in the gospel. Why? Because they were the only church that partnered with him financially. And then he said, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And so we're sowing into an apostolic ministry as well into an op- as into an apostolic harvest. And so I want us all to know that. And I want to say also that you can give through PayPal. I, I actually just opened up my phone and gave our gift because we don't have any cash and we don't have a checkbook on us. So I just gave our gift, my wife and I gave, through my iPhone on PayPal. And so you can do that from any computer, from any smartphone. It's as easy as that. Uh, But we're going to bless this offering. And let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray you would take this seed sown and that you would multiply it. And that the harvest would be plentiful. We believe for one million souls saved through Bob Weiner Ministries this year. This year, in 2012, we believe for the harvest is now. The harvest is now. And Father, as we sow a seed into this harvest, I pray that we would reap a harvest right here in the Bay Area. That we would see one million souls saved right here in the Bay Area, God. Lord, there are nine million people in the Bay Area and only a half a million of them know Christ. There are 8.5 million people that do not know Jesus Christ right here in this Bay Area. And so we want to see a harvest of at least a million souls in the Bay Area. God, get our faith in the right place. Our expectation is so small. We're believing for 50. We're believing for 25 when there's 8.5 million. God, give us faith and vision for a harvest. And as we sow this seed into this harvest across the nation, I pray that we would reap the harvest right here at home. So I pray you bless this offering. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Make the checks payable to Living Hope. And uh, you can just put in the margin, Weiner Ministries. What is the name of your ministry? Weiner Ministries. W-E-I-N-E-R. You can drop it in. We're not done yet. Because uh, Pastor Bob is going to release on us the gift of faith. And he's going to lay hands for the impartation of the gift of faith to believe. Remember, God has promised us this year two stewardships, a stewardship of souls and a stewardship of finances. And so we're going to receive faith for that tonight, and we're going to begin to reap that harvest. He said something to me earlier today. He said, God commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He said, some of us are fruitful, but we haven't multiplied yet. And it's not, it's not enough just to be fruitful. you got to multiply. And you multiply when your fruit becomes fruitful. That's multiplication. When your fruit begins to bear fruit, now you're multiplying. Amen? Amen. Everybody stand. I know the offering's still going around. Father, I just speak your blessing over this house tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we receive the impartation of great faith. And I just speak blessing to the word that was spoken tonight. I bless it to be fruitful in the life of each and every one. Each and every one of these servants of yours. These sons and daughters. And we thank you for this man that's come to us tonight. We receive it. In Jesus' mighty name.